you would just stand for the reading of scripture. We're going to be reading from Psalm 81 today. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Sound the tambourine. The sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon on our feast day. For it is a statute of Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. He made it a decree in Joseph when he went over the land of Egypt. I hear a language I had not known. I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you in the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me. There shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice, Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe towards him and their fate would last forever. But he would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. If you would uh, bow with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for you to help us hear, to listen, to even listen to what we are singing Lord, we ask you to deliver us from idolatry as we seek to worship our way out of it by setting our eyes on you. Lord, we are all pulled in many different ways every week. And we know the tendency to hear things or partially listen to things and to not really embrace them. So we, we pray this morning you would help us do that. In Christ's name, amen. So we are talking about listening today. And I was thinking while we were singing, Behold Our God, you know, it's not, it's like um, you could know the songs. You could be like, uh, saying them or singing them um, or just listening to them but not really taking them in that's just a reality that is something that we are going to battle with and you may like I say be able to pull it up from your memory in some way but not really have it in your heart and so we are going to be talking about that I have told you many times that um, I can like recall the last couple of sentences Anna says, or one of the boys will say, but, when I may, but I may not be engaged. And in a world where many of you, like me, spend too much time looking at a phone, um, it is 
it's a dangerous thing because you could like be, like I said, listening but not listening and not really understanding, not really grasping, not really treasuring what you're hearing, you know? And uh, even this morning, you could have been in here uh, singing those songs and hearing all those voices, but you're not there, you know? And there's different reasons why. We have a lot of kids in here. You may be one of the persons watching after a child this morning, and it's like you think, yeah, come on, man. You're not doing anything. Of course you're treasuring that. I have to, like, pay attention to these other things. But I just think it's important to say that we do that and we have to think about that and consider are we really deeply listening to what the Lord would say to us. This is a call to worship. This psalm, Psalm 81, is a call to worship. And in verse 3, it is on a feast day. So it's on a celebration day, a time of feasting. The Lord would give Israel all of these different days. There were actually... Uh, throughout the year, different three times a year that the, the men and really their families would have to go to Jerusalem uh, and they would go to these feast days, the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles, the Feast of Pentecost or Weeks. And you would go there and they were set up to give you time to listen, to consider, to, to, to say things, but not just to say them in a rote memory way, but to to etch them into your heart. And so that's what they had. And you think about in our lives, we have what many people would call the Lord's Day. We have Sunday. And you come together to listen and to consider. And it's not just listening um, to others. It's listening to your own voice. It is considering what are we saying. That's why we spend so much time thinking about what we're communicating. We want you to be able to really stop and consider and listen. And you think about the holidays like Christmas and Easter. And you might have different things that you do as a family. Like Advent. Maybe you do that at home and you spend time thinking and you want to listen. You want to consider and you want to use words that are worthy of listening to. I mean, that's, that's another thing. It's like sometimes, um, and I'm guilty of this, I'll have a lot of words, and so my kids might say, well, I'm not sure how much of that to listen to, right? Because he's got a million words to say. And so he's saying those and putting them out. I'm not sure it's that important. It's just kind of like, I don't know, like a, the radio's off the, you know, the wrong frequency. It's just noise, you know? But I think it's important to say, like, when we are dealing with these things centered around God, we ought to listen. And you have to, um, you understand why the Lord is so serious about you going to church by reading this passage. But not just going, truly being there. You know, that's, He wants that for you. He wants that for your soul. It reminds you of what is good and right and true. And so Asaph is speaking, and he is calling them um, to the, during this celebration that, to tell them, to say, calling out to them, saying, listen to God, and listen as you speak, you listen. And I think, like I said, that is so valuable. So thinking about an outline, in my mind, I think, in term, the way I would like explain this, I would say, listen, truly worship God on special days on Sundays and holidays, you know, or whatever. You, yeah, you could say it a, different, a lot of different ways, but just truly kind of 
worship God on those days with a heart that is listening, considering, understanding. Um, the first part, we're going to talk about us speaking to God, just the first few verses. And then the rest of it is going to be about listening to God because God is speaking to them. And so um, we understand that, and I think that's, that will be helpful as we move through. So like our speech to God is first centered in commands. God commands us to speak to Him. That's the first thing kind of you see, and you'll see that as, you, as it unfolds. He'll say, sing to God, shout for joy. It's, it's a deal of uniting your hearts. They would come and celebrate together. Part of worshiping, and I was telling my boys last night, I would never read the Bible all the way through had they not said, hey, my oldest said, like, I want to do that Bible recap. If I'm doing it with others, I'll do it. If I'm doing it alone, probably not going to do it. It's just the reality. I will prepare for sermons, but I will not read the whole Bible all the way through. But the same way, I sitting in my car listening to a song, it may uh, elicit some kind of moving things, but to gather with you when you're engaged in singing, it kind of like, it lifts those things up. It reminds me of good things. It tells me that I'm not alone in this world walking with God. And so it's important for us to see. So that first part is this command to sing and to sing praises to God and to, to shout before God and all of those things. The next thing is when you're thinking about speaking to God is he's going to give you the reasons why. Why do we speak to God? And he'll lay out those things for us. And then as you continue forward, it's going to go into like listening to God. And this is what you're going to see. You listen to God because he delivered you. That's a huge deal. God delivered us. That's, that's helpful. You listen to God because he admonishes. Like he's going to say, you better listen to me. You're not listening. You better listen. Um, and again, that would be my third part almost in that is listening to God is just not listening at all. Because you're saying like, I'm just going through the motions. And God is not, he's not cool with that. He doesn't want us to go through the motions. Um, if you're a kid here, he doesn't want you to just be like, nah, 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 nah. He wants you to actively listen, actively listen to, he wants you to be singing with the congregation and actively listening to what is being said. And then listen to God because of his, the blessings of his covenant. If you don't listen to God, you come under his judgment. That's a good reason. That's a helpful thing. And then the last one would be, we'd listen to God because um, of what these feasts kind of commemorate. God's enemies will perish and his people will be satisfied. So, so if you're here today and you decided, I'm going to come here and not really listen. Like, shame on you. No, I mean, but... Stop and think and consider, like, why? Why would I do that? Why would I just, why would I miss out on the blessing of listening? And so we're, we're going to be doing that. We're going to be talking about listening as, and understanding that true listening is worshiping God uh, as we gather for these special days of worship. So let's look at the first part. Speak to God because he commands us to do so. Look at verses 1 through 3. You'll see this. It says, Sing aloud, shout for joy, raise a song, sound the, trampo, uh, uh, the uh, uh, tambourine, it, blow the trumpet. All those things when at these special times, new moon, full moon, and feast days. So he's saying, like, he's commanding us to do that. To, 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 
and, and I think that's important to say, like, again, another thing would be like, if you were here and you say, like, I don't really sing. You're commanded to sing. You are commanded to sing the praise of God. If you don't sing, if you sit there in this kind of like, I don't know, you're either too proud to sing, too self-aware and worried about your singing, that you um, don't sing, whatever it might be, you don't, you're missing out on, one, you're being disobedient, and two, you're missing out on the blessing for yourself, and three, you're missing out on blessing other people. I mean, that, those are all very important. And so here's this string of commands that you are to unite yourselves together in singing praise to God. This requires that you show up. That's a big one. And then it means you show up. You ever showed up for a baseball game or something like that that you were supposed to be playing, but your mind was somewhere else or soccer or basketball, and you're kind of like just out there playing in the field instead of like focusing so you can show up and not be there. But he's saying, like, do this with a full heart. Shout for joy to the Lord. It's, it's, it's thinking about it in those terms. And so one thing is just you gather with the people of God. It is commanded of us to do so. So you keep going, though, and we, we think about speaking to God it, because it's commanded. But then what are the reasons for that? Look at verses 4 and 5. For it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. He made it a decree in Joseph when he went out over the land of Egypt. So he's just said like, hey, make this noise. But he says, this has been commanded for you to do it. This is a statute. The reason is that one of the reasons he says is, look, God told us he etched this in law, but he did so because he had delivered us. So that's a big thing. When you're thinking about your life and listening both to what God says directly, but listening to what you say about God as he's also commanded you, that is really important for you. It is important for us. And so one of the things, just thinking about that when he's delivered us, there's a place in um, really when you're blowing kind of this idea of blowing the trumpet or, or making this, this, um, you know, this noise of praise and all that kind of thing, is uh, there's a thing that they would blow like it's called a uh, I can't spit it out here a shofar it's like uh, can I, I do I remember it yeah I do now um, but it, they did that at Mount Sinai and then at the year of jubilee in both cases Mount Sinai and the year of jubilee was celebrating what God had done for them what God and it was about His deliverance. It was about like, uh, there's something about the Jubilee that's a reenactment of the Exodus and the conquest in the land. You are being delivered from your captivity and you are being put into the land. The year of Jubilee, if you were living in Israel, you would be delivered from being in kind of bondage to slavery for that season and you were given back your land. And so in both cases, you understand that he is calling them to do this and it is it's a statute to praise God and to worship God for what he has done. When it says he has made us a, a decree, he went out over all the, when he went out over all the land of Egypt, it's clearly taking them back to the history, their history, their history of deliverance. And then he says, I hear a language I had not known. Now that's kind of an interesting, that, that's something I thought, man, how do, you, that, how do you interpret that or understand that? If you read the NIV, it, says, it states it this way, I heard an unknown voice say, it's like he's setting up, for you to hear what follows. 
So you've been in this, con- this, this part of like speaking, and now you move from there to listening. And, and, and like I said, in both cases, I think you are to listen actively, but here, God is speaking. And, it, and you see, listen to God is the focus, and deliverance is the issue here. Verse 6 and 7, I relieved your shoulders of the burden, your hands were freed from the basket. This is kind of like helping you understand, why would I praise God? Because of what He's done. When you think about being delivered from the burden, like when He's talking about this, I relieved your shoulder of the burden. It was not that there was not a burden to carry, but He has pulled the burden off of you. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then He speaks of like, yoking up to him it's not that the burden is not great but it's that he's sheltering it not you and i think that's what is going on here so he has delivered us now some of you might say i have no reason to praise the lord today because your heart is like filled with ingratitude and oftentimes it's filled with ingratitude over earthly things that's what a lot of us are saying like well if my marriage were better i could be thankful today if my kids would obey, I'd be more thankful. If I had more, you know, like all my bills were easily paid, I might do. And it, you're all earthly. If I had the trip of a lifetime getting planned, I was going to go on it this week, then I would be thankful. You know, whatever it is. But the reality is, is what he's saying is, he's speaking of deliverance. When we think of deliverance, I think we have to think in terms of eternal blessings that are present, a present reality with a future promise. And so you kind of have to think in terms of that. And what we would say is, the Scripture says in Ephesians 1, to help you praise, it says He has chose us in Him. He has predestined us in Him. We have redemption through Him. We've obtained an inheritance with Him. We've been sealed in Him. All of those things are saying, you realize what He's done. More than what He did for Israel, He has done for you. So you start and we say, hey, speak to God. He commands you to do so. He's made these statutes for you to do it. Listen to those things that you're saying. Listen when you're meeting together and gathering. And now he's focusing in and saying, listen, don't you understand you've been delivered? And verse 7 says, and this is kind of interesting, he goes from the deliverance back to like why the deliverance happened in one part, you know. It says, in distress you called out, and I delivered you. What you find out is, in verse 6, is he goes to 12 to 14 of Exodus, and in this verse, he goes back to, to chapter 2. The people of Israel cried out. Listen to Exodus 2, 23 through 25. During those many days, the, kings of e- the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. So God listens. God listens. He responds. We should listen. We should stop and consider and remind ourselves of the things that he has done. We gather to do that, to remind ourselves so we don't forget. As you go on, it says, I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. What's he saying? This secret place of thunder is Mount Sinai. You remember there was a thick cloud of darkness and 
and there was thunder, and the people were really afraid. I mean, they really said, like, just don't have God speak to us anymore. Kidner states, the mountain shrouded in smoke and terrible with the voice of God. It's kind of frightening to hear him speak. Sometimes, if we're honest, it's a little bit disturbing to hear what God has to say. And so in this case, there's this place of thunder where God speaks to them, and he tested you at the waters of Meribah, which is a place where, if you think about that, it's like he's providing, that's where the water comes and provides for them and satisfies their soul in this um, wilderness period. And so you have this both deliverance and his provision. So you listen to God, you listen to him as you speak to him in the way that he's given us to in these uh, times that we gather, he's laid out for us. You listen to God because he's delivered you. You listen to God also because he admonishes you to listen. This is, this is interesting. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you, O Israel, if you would but listen to me. What's he saying? You don't want to listen. You don't want to listen. Uh, if you would just listen. It, it's funny because it's an admonishment, but it's like... Um, if you would just listen to me. It's like pulling your child over to you close and say, just listen. I just want to explain this to you. It's almost like, you know, you think about that admonishment. It's not like someone that doesn't love you. It's not an admonishment of like, I hate you. He is getting on to them because he wants best for them and he wants them to consider. What does it mean to not listen? This is certainly, hero Israel, when you're thinking about that, if you would but listen, you think about the Shema. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It, it, it's, it's reminding them of that. Remember, I've told you your whole life to stop and consider and to repeat that to your children and your children's children and to, to speak of these wonderful things. So listen to these things. Verse 9 and 10. He says, there shall be no strange God among you. Remember, the Lord is one. The Lord is the only God. He's the only one that exists. He's the only true and living God. So listen to him. He says, listen to him because why would you listen to a strange God or bow down to a foreign God? It's God who delivered you. In the history of Israel, like they'll see time and again, these false gods do not stand up to God. They're not going to do the things that God does. So don't listen to those things, but rather listen to the God who speaks, not the God that you speak to, not the religions that you make up, but you listen to me. It's the first and greatest commandment. It's the idea of like loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what's at the heart of this. you kind of have to remind yourself that God is a jealous God and He prohibits idolatry. He will have no other gods. You listen to Him because He is calling you, admonishing you to not give yourself to any other gods. Now, is He doing that because He hates Israel? Is He saying, listen to me, serve me, worship me, bless me because He is mad at them, why does he want an exclusive relationship with them? Because he alone is worthy 
of worship. He has set them apart as His people. He's not trying to keep good from them. And He's not trying to keep good from us. He does not want any perverted practices. None whatsoever. You know, it's interesting in our culture, we want to think, oh, we're free to do this and free to do that, and there's no consequences. The reality is, is you might say, I'm free to do whatever, but with God, he's saying, no, you're not free to do whatever. You are to do exactly as I tell you to do because I want good for you. It's interesting when um, I did get a seatbelt ticket when I was like in high school, but they gave all those, you know, they made people wear a seatbelt because they were like tired of picking people up off of the highway. You know, it made sense. You wear a seatbelt so you don't fly out of the car. You know, and, but they had to set a standard for you to like know, hey, I need to wear that because people would not wear it otherwise. They would choose to like not think about what would be wise. And so they needed something to help guide them. So some of you may come up afterwards and be like, I don't know about those seatbelts still. And be like, okay. Well, I mean, look, I had a friend when I was a kid uh, I mean, when I was a young man, I learned about it, but this, this uh, friend of mine told me of their kid. Uh, one time they were like going around, they were going around a curve, and the child was like hanging onto the door, you know? Well, back then you didn't have these child locks. So he just like lifts up the door, the door swings open, they're going around the corner, he flies out, rolls over on the ground, they stop and say, Get back in the car, boy, don't be hanging onto that. But there's a reason why. You, you know, they did that. Those were helpful things. And so it's a way that God is using to help you understand. You don't want to go any other way. You want to follow Him. It is a beautiful thing. It's, it's good for you. It's good for your health. It's good for your mental health. It's good for your spiritual health. It is good for you. And so He admonishes you to listen and to understand and to consider. He will have no other loves in your life he wants you to love him exclusively so if you drink the poison of whatever the culture is pumping out at this moment it will not fill you it will be of the law of diminishing returns you will drink it it will not be enough it will not satisfy you will ingest enormous amounts of calories from false gods that will never feed your soul that's what he's saying so God admonishes them. He wants them to be satisfied. And they will only be satisfied in Him. They have a longing in their life for the eternal God. And no temporal thing will do. That's what no temporal thing will do. You think it will do. I think it will do. But no temporal thing will do. And so I need to be able to listen. So get, here's the deal. I get to listen corporately. That's a good thing. I have set times for me to gather and listen and consider what he has said. And so, notice this. Now you might say, okay, if I do this, and he's admonished me to do it, but what, if I do this, what will he do? Look what it says. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. I want to stop there for just a second. He says, open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. He's saying, you think that you're going to ingest all these things that might satisfy your heart, your deepest longings and desires. 
I will fill your heart, your life, your soul, the deepest part of you with things that only I can do. If you're like living your life thinking like, I need this, I need that, I need this next thing, always grasping the next thing, which all of our, all of our lives we're struggling with that. Because we, we take our eyes off the gaze uh, 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 towards God and we look down to temporal things or we look at our friends and their things and their experiences and their positions or whatever it might be and you think like, oh, those things will satisfy if I can grasp them. And you might spend a decade trying to grasp this thing that will satisfy your heart. And he says, look, if you want water that will bless you eternally, it will not come. From this earth. Jesus said, if you remember, I am the living water. I am the living water. Whoever drinks of me will never thirst again. He's trying to help them see. You know those waters of Meribah? Like those things help sustain those people in the, the wilderness? What about this eternal water, this satisfying water from heaven that I give you? You think that won't satisfy? Whatever enslaves you right now that you're seeking to satisfy you that will not, whatever addiction that you have that you think will, that will like somehow that you will um, be filled by it, it doesn't fill you. If you're addicted to food, you will eat and eat and eat and eat. Will it satisfy you? That junky food that you want, just keep stuffing, does it satisfy you? If you're addicted to pleasure, is there, is there ever enough playing that will really, I mean, does it really satisfy? It doesn't seem to. I've known people that have had the resources to do everything, and it never truly satisfies. That's why the Lord says, taste and see that I am good, that I am good. I will fill it. Here's the thing, though. D.A. Carson said, Whatever you worship your way into, whatever that is, you worship your way into, you'll have to worship your way out of. Whatever you worship your way into, you'll have to worship your way out of. What does that mean? It means that you'll have to, if whatever you're pursuing to find satisfaction, whatever that is, whatever road that you've walked to get out of that place, you're going to have to behold your God. That's the only way out. The way out is not to say, I will stop worshiping this thing. The way out is to stop worshiping Him. That's it. And so, we listen. We listen. We listen to our God. Truly worshiping is listening to Him on special days that He has set aside for us. We're listening to Him. He's commanded us to do so. He's given us reasons why we should in our worship as we're speaking that we should listen. But we also, he tells us like, look, I've delivered you. I've even admonished you. Come along, come, move with me. Come and enjoy this thing. I will satisfy you more than you ever dreamed or imagined. Then you keep going. I know there's a few more things here I want you to see. You listen to God this is crazy because you're not listening. 
I mean, even now, you probably find it hard to think, I can't read any more of this. I can't study any more. I can't think any more. It's so easy to find myself there. He says, but my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. Listening truly is submitting. It is in faith yielding. It is submitting. Verse 12, I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow Follow their own counsels. To be given over is the most frightening thing in the, all of the New Testament too. Old and new. If God says, I gave you over, that is like a, it's a scary thing. It's a frightening thing to be given over. Now, you might say, so God's done. God is done. Some of you in here might say, God's done with me. I come to church. I haven't listened in so long. I'm telling you, it's not really gripping me or gripping my heart, all this kind of stuff. You think, I'm just done with all that. Well, what does he do? Does he leave you at that point where he says, look, I just gave them over? Look at verse 13 and 14. You listen to God because he's going to remind them in spite of the fact that they keep messing up. He's going to remind them of the blessings of the covenant. Look how he says it. Why is God so kind? You would have been done with these people. You might be done with people in your life right now because you can't forgive them. They mess up too much. You may be the, Some of you in here might be so self-righteous. If I was to pull it back and show everybody, they'd be like, look at that pompous punk. What if I said something? Y'all are thinking, Ooh, what's he going to start saying? Tame your tongue, Jerry. That's what Sarah's saying. Pull back, bro. Pull back. But really, I mean, you might think that, and you think, what is going on with that? Look at how God speaks to these arrogant, hard-hearted people. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Like he's heartbroken, like Jesus weeping over Jerusalem, knowing what's going to happen to them. That Israel would walk in my ways, I would soon... Now, look at this. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. He's reminding them of the blessings of this covenant, of the relationship that He established with them, of His promises. He's trying to help them understand, if you would just obey, if you would just turn to Me, don't you understand? I would fill you, I would satisfy you with the, the deepest and richest things, the things you're trying to satisfy your soul with, they're not going to satisfy you. They're never going to satisfy you. And he's saying like, even when you don't want to listen and you're so hard-hearted and arrogant and self-righteous or whatever you might be in your stubbornness, he keeps pursuing them. Even letting them go is a way to help them like a child. You say, fine, go. Run out into the woods and do what you want to do. I've done that with my kids before, and it doesn't take long. They look around and say, whoa, hold on just a second. Where is he? And you know what? When they say, Dad, am I like, eh? No, I'm like, hey, come here. And they're like, whew, okay, everything's better. He's saying like, you can come back. Remember if you'll just turn back? Remember what I promised to do if you'll just turn back? He's not giving up. He's not done with His people. He's not done with you. There remains, remains this future hope for the people of God. And that means you. 
no matter how much you say, Jared, you don't know how far I have worshipped myself into the darkest of sins that you don't even understand how far I've gone. And God is calling out to you today and say, listen boy, listen girl, you've gone deep, way deep in there. You've worshipped so deeply that you just can't even imagine any other life. He's saying, listen, turn, turn back. Just go back and listen. I, I, I promise you, I will guide you out. You behold the glory of our great God and you will come out. Turn back to the light. He's saying, listen. You say, how many times? How many times? Could, will, will he, could he still forgive me? How many times? Jesus told his own disciples to forgive 70 times 7. He was using an infinite kind of number. You keep going back. You go back. You turn back. You let the worship of the glorious God bring you back. That's one of the glorious things about meeting with others is you hear these other people that you know in this room have as big a problem as you with going the wrong way. So, last thing. You listen to God because these little feast times are kind of like taking the Lord's Supper. You know, what do they commemorate? Christ died for you to save you and to provide for you. God delivered you out of Egypt to take you into the land. Jesus delivered you out of the sin and darkness to take you into His presence both now and forever. They commemorate those times. And what, are the, what is it about those feasts? They say God's enemies will perish and His people will be satisfied. Those who hate the Lord, who cringe toward Him, and their fate would last forever. I'm sorry. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward Him and their fate would last forever. But He who would feed you with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. Your enemies subdued. Their fate will be forever finished separated from God, but those who trust Him, they will eat the sweet that is rich and full, that is satisfying. They will drink from the rock, the honey. Now what is that, the idea? Well, it reminds me of that land flowing with milk and honey. Doesn't it you? He's saying like, you will enter the land. You will enter into His presence. You will know the fullness of joy. You will experience life everlasting. Israel feast celebrated the Lord's past salvation and it looked forward to his future blessings instead of enjoying his blessings they incurred his wrath will you do that you don't want to go that route listen and obey him put your faith and trust in him Jesus is the ultimate Passover lamb Jesus tabernacled among us. Jesus was the manna from heaven. Jesus is the rock that was struck. Jesus is the one who says, I am the living water. Jesus is the center of the Pentecost, the feast of Pentecost. His spirit dwells with us. Jesus is the one that brought jubilee to us. Jesus has done all those things. And Jesus, one day, this, this, that, that great trumpet will sound and Jesus will return. He will descend and gather His people 
and they will be raised to reign with him forever and ever. So celebrate well. Celebrate weekly. Celebrate those special holidays and you enjoy him and let your worship, let your worship lead you out of your false worship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for you to remind us that you do satisfy. As we take the Lord's Supper, we feast on Christ in the sense that we are trusting in what he has done for us, what he has accomplished for us. We are setting aside time to remind ourselves and we're looking forward to the fullness of that. Lord, let us be satisfied in Him today as we look forward to the day when our full satisfaction will be realized. In Christ's name, Amen.